0: Greetings, greetings, greetings. Let's try this yet again. I don't know what's been up with Facebook and um, the streaming platforms here lately, but they have been horrible when it comes to trying to um, do lives and everything. And even now, my mouth and my words are not in alignment with one another. So I just pray that you bear with me. I'm trying not to move too much because when I do, my background is just doing something. I don't have a green screen, so that's probably why it's um, doing what it's doing. I'm not that that technical when it comes to um, having a green screen behind me and all this because I just started doing live, so I don't have all that fancy equipment that everyone else uses. But anyway, this shall suffice. Um, I wanted to begin, um, I've been praying about it, begin a study on God's grace, um, primarily because I know a lot of us can still be influenced by tradition. And when we're trying to um, uphold tradition, then we're not able to walk in God's grace. You can't try to keep up the law and the traditional things and be in God's grace at the same time. Jesus came to fulfill the law. And so because he came to fulfill the law in his fulfilling of the law, when he offers us salvation, um, through that salvation, we receive God's grace. And we'll get get more into that. But again, you can't try to um, uphold the law and be in grace at the same time. Right. And so and Jesus knew that we couldn't uphold the law, which is why he came to fulfill it, because we just weren't able. Because again, to um, and I've said it on a lot before, to break one of the 600 plus laws, I think it's 613, 613. um, If you broke just one of them, that means you broke all of them. And so because we didn't have the ability to keep the law, then Jesus had to come fulfill it. And again, through that fulfilling of the law and his sacrifice, grace is offered to us through salvation. Um, Ephesians, I believe it's Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace we are saved, not by works, right? And so, because again, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we are offered um grace. Now, the biblical definition for and, and um real quickly, I want to um start in the book of Galatians first. And the reason why I chose to um, start there first is because Galatians really um, gets in depth when it comes to, you know, the law and then grace and how we're unable to be in both. And and it really um, breaks it down. And so that's where we're going to start is Galatians. And then wherever God leads me, you know, from there, that's where we'll go into. And I will make this disclosure. I don't claim to know everything there is to know about grace. I'm, there's still a whole lot that I've yet to learn about God's grace. However, what God has shown me, you know, I know that over the years we have missed it. Um, And as he continues to reveal things to me, I will continue to share it. All right and so let me just pray real quickly. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for life, health and strength. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Thank you that your grace is sufficient for each and every day. That your mercies are new on this morning. Thank you that your compassion's fail not. We thank you, Lord God, that every need was met on today. We thank you, Lord God, that and seeing you that we live, that we move and that we have all of our being. I acknowledge the fact that Your spirit is within me, leading me and guiding me into all truth. I also acknowledge the fact that apart from you, I can do nothing, but with you, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. And so I ask that as we can um, go throughout this study of grace, that you would reveal the things to us, that you would have us to know, help me to speak and to teach with clarity. And I pray that you get the glory in all that I think, say, and do as I do, everything is unto you. And I ask these and all things in Jesus' name. All righty. So just to give a, a biblical definition of grace, kind of simplified, Um, if, if I'm able to simplify it, um, it, I would say God's life, power, and righteousness given to us by unmerited favor. So again, it's offered through salvation and it, it cannot be earned. There's nothing that we can do to earn God's grace because God's grace is unmerited. Unmerited means you can't buy it. You can't um, deserve it. You can not earn it. It's unmerited. It's just because, right. And so, um, for the, the book of Galatians, just to give a little background on Galatians, um, Galatians was one of Paul's earliest writings. And the book is also what we consider or what theologians consider, which I guess we, because technically I'm a theologian, um, uh, it's one of Paul's most intense letters that he wrote. And there's a reason why Paul was so intense in this letter, because again, he was speaking of God's grace and the law. And he really wanted people to get an understanding of the fact that, you know, you can't up- uphold the law, right? And so it's only by God's grace. And so he really tried to get them to get this embedded because he really wanted them to get an understanding of God's grace. And so again, this is one of Paul's most intense letters that he wrote out of um, all of the epistles that Paul wrote. And so Galatians proclaims that sinners are justified and live godly lives by trusting in Jesus alone, right? And so um, it also defends the truth of the gospel of grace. And then it also teaches us about the ministry of Holy Spirit, extensively Um, as it comes to the life of a Christian and the fruit of the spirit. And so that's just a little background. And I'm actually going to take this chapter by chapter as we do this study. Um, So let's go ahead and read chapter one. And then as after I read chapter one, I'm going to come back and um, kind of delve into each verse and break down each. I won't break down each and every verse um, of chapter one, but the things that, you know, that God has um, revealed to me. Per each verse, and just kind of um, give an understanding of, of what Paul was trying to say. And again, we're going to do this chapter by chapter. And so today we're starting with chapter one. I didn't want to do more than one chapter at a time. Um, never mind that. But anyway, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and it's okay that I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I know some of us are um, committed to the king james version but i promise it's okay to read other versions especially if you're trying to um get an understanding or break down some of the other translations kind of break it down in a a better i don't want to say a better way but in a a, a way that is easier to understand or you know get what it is without the these and the thousand and the, the, the the language of the king james all right so chapter one says this letter is from paul an apostle, I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from the evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. There is only one good news. There is only one good news. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You are not being fooled by those who deliberately, or excuse me, you are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away to Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter, and I stayed with him for 15 days. The only other apostle I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. I declare before God that what I'm writing to you is not a lie. After that visit, I went north into the provinces of Syria and Cilicia, and still the churches in Christ that are in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew was that people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. All right, so let's go back up to verse one. And again, we're going to go and and read each verse and then the things, the notations that I have for each verse, I'm I'm gonna share that with you. So verse one, this letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God, the father who raised Jesus from the dead. So Paul made it clear. He, He made it a point to mention here, who does the appointing, right? He said, I wasn't appointed by any group. I wasn't appointed by human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God, the father who raised Jesus from the dead. So Paul um, was making a point here to let us know, you know, man may provide us certification or put us in position, but if God has not appointed that person, then there is no no value or no, um, the, 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 the certification is irrelevant because if God's hand's not on it, it it can't go forth, right? So God has to appoint, and and we see this all the time, people putting people in positions that God never called to be in those positions. And we have to be careful that we're only putting those in positions that God has appointed to be in that position. Now, I do want to say too, that you don't have to have a title or position to be who God has called you to be, to be used in a capacity that God has called you to walk in, right? God is above our denominations. He's above our church regulations. He's above our doctrines, right? God can use you outside of the four walls, just like He can use you inside of the four walls, right? He can use you with man's certificate, just like He can use you without man's certificate. Before I was even, um, what do they call it? Um, there's a, a, a A a church term for it. Bring it back to my remembrance, Lord. Mm. I can't even think of it at the moment. Anywho, before I even received my license, before I even received my certification in the church, God was already using me. God had been showing me things, giving me visions ever since I was five years old, before I was even able to understand what all of it meant. God was already showing me things. Right. And so Paul was making a point to say that our validation is not from man. Our validation comes from God and God alone. All right. And then verse two, all the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. Verse three, may God, the father, our Lord and our Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God, our father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. There's only one good news. And what is that good news? That good news is grace offered to us through the finished works of Jesus. Jesus's finished works on the cross is how we are able to um, receive God's grace. Again, Ephesians 2 and 8, for it is by grace that we are saved not by works. You cannot work up on salvation. You cannot earn salvation. It is only because of grace through the finished works of Jesus. And you have to accept Christ as your personal Lord and savior in order to be eligible to receive God's grace. God's grace is for those that belong to him. God's grace is for those that have accepted his son as their personal Lord and savior right? And so again, grace is offered to us through the finished works of Jesus. We have to get it out of our heads that we can earn salvation or that we can earn grace, right? It's not by your works. So Verse 6, I'm shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. It pretends to be the good news, but it is not the good news at all. And you are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. And so just like the people of Galatia, people today, we get fooled by all these different religions and all these different doctrines and and, and beliefs out here. And, and Paul's like, how are you going to be so quick to turn away from what you already knew, right? Jesus walked the earth. You've seen miracles, signs, and wonders. Here I am, somebody who didn't believe in all that, somebody who was killing people that did believe that, right? And so if I'm able to turn my life around and, and come out and Tell of the good news, how is it that those of you that walked with him and talked with him, how is it so easy for you to turn away from what you know, what you experience for yourself? Paul didn't understand that. Right. And so verse eight, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again that we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. And I want to make this clear because I hear it said at funerals all the time that, you know, um, this person, you know, Rest in peace. Now they've gone to be with the Lord. If 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 Christ was not accepted by that person as their Lord and Savior, we cannot say that they have gone to be with the Lord because Jesus said that He is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the Father but by Him. So if they not accepted Christ, how is it that we can say that they have gone to be with the Father when Jesus let us know that if you have not accepted me, he didn't say if you have not accepted me, but he made a point to say, I am the way, the truth, and the lie. No one gets to the Father but by me, right? And so the fact of the matter is we have to accept Christ if we want to see him in the end. Just want to put that out there. We have to stop making out like everybody's. If everybody's going to heaven, the word wouldn't let us know that hell enlarges herself every day. To reject Christ does not send you to heaven. And I'm not going to say what does and what doesn't send you to hell or, you know, who makes it to heaven, who makes it to hell. I'm not going to say that. But I will say that the word lets us know that hell enlarges herself every day. And that Jesus said that if we reject him or if we deny him, he's going to deny us in front of his father. So we can't walk around this earth denying Christ and then think that he's going to accept us in the end. We have to start telling the truth of the word, stop putting our own spin on it, our own interpretation of it and speak what the said the Lord. We have to tell the truth in love, just as Ephesians 4 and 15 tells us to do. Right. And so we have to be be true about God's word. We can't pacify it. People are dying every day, not knowing Christ, because those of us in the body of Christ, those of us in leadership are not on our posts. We're not taking the responsibility of the call that God has placed on us to go out and compel people to come to tell of the good news. God said it's not His will that any would perish, but that all will come to repentance. And so it's up to us as the ambassadors of Christ, it's up to us as the mouthpieces of God to go out and reconcile people back to Christ. And we can't do that by being nasty to them, we can't do that by you know, pointing out all their wrongs. The word says, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Jesus said, people will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have one to another. You can't expect to draw people for Christ when you don't even know how to treat them or talk to them. And that's another area that God's taken me to teach too, is love, all right? So verse 10, obviously I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be a christ servant paul makes another point here he's letting us know that it isn't he, he's not doing this for the applause he's not doing this for the pat on the back he's not doing this for you to say for you to say well done the only well done that we want to hear is from god right we have to understand that there is only an audience of one and that is god and he he said if i'm doing this to do to please people then I wouldn't be able to serve God in the capacity that God has called me to. So Paul is letting us know that, you know, there's going to be people that's not going to agree. There's going to be people that's going to come against us. Jesus let us know that people, we will be persecuted because of him. However, we can't allow that to keep us. From spreading the good news. We can't allow that to keep us from telling people about Jesus. It is our responsibility because we have experienced Christ. We have experienced what it means to be delivered from God by God. We have experienced what it means to be rescued by God. The word says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so it is up to us to tell people about Jesus, forsake faith. Forsaking all, I trust him. That's the acronym for faith. Forsaking all, I trust him, right? We have to forsake all these tangible things. We have to forsake the things of this world. We have to forsake the opinions of people. We have to forsake even ourselves in order to get the gospel of Jesus out there. And then once we get down to verse 11, this actually starts Paul's message that he received from Christ. Um, verse 11, dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. And revelation—the um, meaning of revelation—is any revealing or communication or divine communication um, directly from God. Right, God communicates or he gives it in a vision. It's the divine truth that God chooses to reveal or chooses to communicate to anyone at any given time. Verse 13, you know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church, I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. So in other words, I was like, I was killing people better than anybody else. My numbers was high. I was taking out more people than anybody else for the sake of my Jewish tradition. So he was making a point here to point out the fact that I was the worst of the worst. And if me being the worst of the worst, God still chose to use me. He still chose to speak directly to me. That should give us hope that no matter what you're doing in this life, no matter what you have done in this life, no matter what you're dealing with in this life, you are not too far gone, not too dirty to be used by God. God can use anybody at any given moment and people, us in the church need to stop trying to tell people who God can and cannot use. We, we don't choose who God can use and not use. God chooses to use whomever he wants to, whenever he wants to. And we have to stop discounting people on what they're saying just because they're not somebody that we feel is chosen by God. If God can use the rocks, if he can use a donkey, he can use a drug addict, he can use a drug dealer. He can use a liar. He can use a gospel because all of us have come from some walk of life. I was a gossiper. I was a liar. I was a thief. I was a drug dealer. I was an alcoholic and many other things. So if God can clean me up, the Bible lets us know that he's not a respecter of persons. What he can do for one, he can do for another. So Paul was letting him know, look at everything that I did. I was on fire when it came to killing people that was talking about Christ. But now I'm on fire for Christ. So if he can use me, why was it so easy for you to turn away from him? Why have you been caught up in this false narrative when you know the truth of the word for yourself? And this is what he was wanting the people of Galatia to understand. This is why, again, the book of Galatians is one of the most intense books of the Bible because Paul was trying to um, get them to understand that if, if God can deliver somebody like me, if he can offer his grace to somebody like me, and now all I have to do is accept him. We, we can't be so moved by any wind of doctrine and tradition. We're only supposed to be moved by God and his spirit. The, the, the Bible says that the spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth. And again, I'm not discounting, you know, God appoints people. He gives us teachers and leaders and wise counsel. But we have to also try the spirit by the spirit. We can't just accept everything that's been said. Find it in the word. If it's not backed by the word, then we need to go go to God and question, right? All right, so um, verse 15. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I will proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. We are no surprise to God. God knows our ending from our beginning. So Paul was letting us know, Even before I was born, God had already chose me. He knew that I was about to be killing his people. And even though he knew this about me, he still chose me. Even though God knows what he knows about you, he still chose you. Because he knew you was going to do it before you did it. Before he even made you a seed in your mother's womb, he knew that you were going to do what you were doing, are doing, have done. And he still chose you. He still called you. He still gave his son for you. Jesus still died for you despite what he knew about you. Verse 16, when this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away into Arabia and later returned to the city of Damascus. So in other words, Paul understood when God gives you something or reveals something to you, You don't have to go and consult with people about it. There's a reason why God revealed it to you. If if God revealed it to you directly himself, you don't need other people's approval. People don't trump God. And so Paul was letting us know, you know, this may have sounded crazy to some. People were probably like, you used to kill people, people of God. God ain't using you. He, He already knew the pushback and the ridicule. That he would have gotten had he went and consulted with them folks. But he's like, I know who called me. So I ain't got to go consult with nobody else about my calling. Verse 18. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter. And I stayed with him 15 days. The only other apostle I met at this time was James, the Lord's brother. I declare before God that what I'm writing to you is not a lie. After this, I went into the provinces of Syria and Cilicia, and still the churches in Christ that are in Judea didn't know me personally, although they knew all they knew was that people were saying, The one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. And so Paul was saying, You know, these people. The churches in Christ, they, they didn't know me in the, personally. They didn't have a relationship with me personally. All they knew was that's that, that man that everybody was talking about he used to kill Christians. And now he's serving God. And they rejoice. See, that's our problem, too. We get mad when we know something about somebody. And then we see God using well, Why God using them? They used to do this and they used to do that. that is It's again. Never mind why God is using them. He's using them. And we need to heed to what they're telling us. We need to heed what they're admonishing. Because they have a word from the Lord. Again, we got to stop discounting people because of what we know about them. Just because you know what you, God knows more about them than you know, but he still uses them. We have to be, not be so quick to dismiss people. And I thank God that he's not like man. Because Lord have mercy. All right. Just a few reference scriptures to um, Galatians chapter one, second Corinthians chapter five, verses 16 through 21, uh, second Corinthians chapter 11, verses one through six and verses 12 through 15. And then also acts nine, one through 19. Those are all reference scriptures to Galatians chapter one. So that concludes our first night of the study of God's grace. I pray um, that someone was blessed and and encouraged. And most of all, I pray that God gets the glory because, again, everything that we do, we have to do as unto him. We have an audience of one, and that is God alone. All right. I thank you for joining me on tonight. Join me the next time as we delve into Galatians chapter two. I love you. And there's not a thing you can do about it.